You're listening to Wake Up Call with Jennifer Jones Lee on demand from KFI AM 640. It's Monday, and it's time to rise and shine. Here's Jennifer Jones Lee with your morning wake up call. Normally, I sleep hot. Are you like me where you, you kind of have to have like one leg out of the bed or an arm or something? I get hot in the night. I have to have one of those cool pillows, you know, or whatever. Not right now. Nope. Not even a little bit. What is going on with this cold snap that we are in? It was like partly sunny on Saturday and I thought, oh, sweet. I'm going to get out and go to farmer's market and get a little vitamin D in me. Ha ah, How funny. I went to farmer's market with a hat. And a sweatshirt and sweatpants. <laughs> I was like, what is this? What is going on? We have a cold snap. That is what is to blame for what we're in the middle of right now. In fact, we've got a cold weather alert that has been issued for parts of L.A. County. The National Weather Service says we have a weak cold front moving through. So weak in the sense of, okay, it might just bring us a shower or two. But I'd like them to say, how about a strong cold front when it comes in the sense of temperatures? Because holy cannoli, it's chilly. Some people who live in the mountain communities in San Bernardino County have complained. They are still stuck and waiting for help. And have you been wanting to buy a Tesla? Well, you're unlike Handel, who wants to buy a Tesla and then doesn't like his Tesla. And so now he's thinking about selling it. Tesla has cut prices on its two most expensive electric vehicles in the U.S. And speaking of handle, oh my, I have a Costco story. It's coming up probably 510-ish this morning. And I don't know if he's going to like it. I don't know if you're going to like it if you're a big fan of Costco. We have a bipartisan group pushing for a rail safety bill after the derailment in Ohio. I have cautious optimism on anything that is bipartisan. So we'll talk more about that coming up at 5.05 with ABC's Ike Jachi. Let's start with some of these stories coming out of the KFI 24-hour newsroom. It's a cold weather alert that's been issued for parts of L.A. County. The National Weather Service says a weak cold front is moving into Southern California and could bring light showers, but very low temperatures. Some areas, including parts of the San Gabriel and San Fernando Valleys, could see temperatures below 32 degrees. Now, officials in San Bernardino County say hundreds of miles of road in mountain communities have been made passable, which means four-wheel drive vehicles with chains can get by. But officials say people should stay off the roads as work and emergency efforts continue. Now, they also warned that if people manage to make it down the mountain on Highway 18 or 330, there's a very strong chance they can't go back up. They won't be allowed back up. Now, this frustrated man says that happened to him. Us as a mountain community, we're trying to come together and and bring firewood, bring food for all of us up there, especially with uh, two of our grocery stores up there on the mountain being down. County officials say it could be another week before some stranded residents are reached and major roads can be reopened. All right. Who's hiking in San Bernardino County right now? Apparently two teenagers because they got stuck near the San Gorgonio Mountains and apparently are very lucky to be alive. 
They got caught in a snowstorm last week while they were on a 10-day trek on the Pacific Crest Trail. They spent three days in the snow before a sheriff's helicopter found them. The boys were slightly hypothermic, but okay, a sheriff's sergeant says. They were well prepared for the hike, but not for the massive amounts of snow. In fact, the father of one of the boys says the teens thought they were going to die. It's just, yeah, I mean, good. I'm glad that they were well prepared and all of that, but this might not be the time to go tooling around in the San Bernardino Mountains. I'm just thinking. Winter is far from done in California. Up to five feet of snow is possible in the Sierra Nevada mountains this week, adding to the 46 feet of snow the area already <laughs> received this season. 46 feet of snow. ABC's Lionel Moise says nearly 9,000 people in Nevada, El Dorado, and Placer County spent the weekend without power in blizzard conditions. Cal Fire has warned people to remove snow loads off their propane tanks, gas lines, and buildings. You know, I told you that my parents came off the mountain uh, in Northern California. They were living up in Shingletown and they finally, in other words, here you go, go up I-5, get real close to the Oregon border in Redding, take a right and go about 45 minutes toward Mount Lassen. That's where my parents lived. And they recently came off the mountain because, you know, come on, mom and dad aren't spring chickens as I'm not. However, they you got to be closer to hospitals and, and normal things. Anyway, their neighbor was supposed to come down the hill and look at a house in their neighborhood. She couldn't even get down off the mountain because the snow was so bad. You just couldn't drive. I mean, that's we think our weather conditions are crazy here. Northern California is still getting slammed. And I think it probably will continue to. Well, authorities in Ohio say there's no indication of any risk to public health from yet another train derailment in Ohio. And this one happened between Dayton and Columbus. I guess 28 of this particular train's 212 cars derailed Saturday in Springfield Township. There is a hazmat team that was sent as a precaution. ABC's Ike Jachi joins us now this morning. And Ike, I, I guess after this one, any any idea of a, a rail safety bill is probably, first off, extremely welcome to the people of Ohio. But I have cautious optimism, I guess, when it comes to it being bipartisan. Well, you know what? After what we've seen throughout the halls of Congress recently, cautious op optimism is, well, putting it lightly in terms of the sentiment <laughs> needed to <laughs> have when you're dealing with Congress. But nevertheless... We are seeing a bipartisan push from the state of Ohio itself. Democratic Ohio Senator Sherrod Brown and Republican Ohio Senator J.D. Vance, they've introduced the Railway Safety Act of 2023 and essentially enhances safety procedures for trains carrying hazardous materials. It mandates that rail companies inform emergency response commissions what type of hazardous materials are traveling throughout their states and when. And it also phases in newer, safer tank cars over the next two years. And get this, it increases safety by requiring hot box detectors every 10 miles. And this is crucial because federal investigators, they said that the train derailment in East Palestine, Ohio, partially was caused by an overheating of the bearings on the train cars. Uh, these hot box detectors have sensors that can detect when a bearing is essentially getting too hot allowing them to alert emergency crews and trail uh, and trail car workers on the train, which could have prevented uh, a disaster like the one we saw in East Palestine, Ohio. 
And this sounds that this idea sounds a lot like what we heard from uh, Transportation Secretary Pete Buttigieg last week, which even in and of itself is shocking that you've got even Republicans agreeing with somebody who's part of the president's administration. Everybody kind of seems on board on this one. And that that's surprising to me, although when it comes to rail safety, if you're just talking about alerts and systems and things like that, and you're not actually trying to reinvent the wheel or the rail, as this case may be, um, maybe that is something that everybody can get behind. If all you're going to do is make something safer and it's going to take just a tweak, maybe that is something that we can see this bipartisanship on. Exactly. And you're seeing this from all levels of government, the Senate. Uh, You're seeing this from the executive branch. President Biden came out and endorsed this piece of legislation last week and he encouraged Congress to act quickly on it. It's like you said, it's a lot of no nonsense, common sense uh, pieces of legislation and rules. It also ups the fines for these companies who violate these rules. So it tries to hold these private companies accountable for their actions. Nevertheless, lawmakers are still hesitant. Uh, We're seeing uh, uh, Sherrod, uh, Senator Sherrod, uh, acknowledging the uncertainty about whether the bill could pass the Republican-controlled House. This, after conservatives in that chamber said the bill was overly restrictive. We saw a lot of far-right Republicans Uh, talk about they want to see less government, Uh, they're hearkening this bill as uh, an earmark to more regulations, something they don't want to see throughout government. Well, right. And I mean, that's sort of, you know, the platform of being a Republican, right? You don't want any more government control. Um, If it's just though, hey, we want you to check one more box or something like that, maybe it can be seen more as a, hey, all we're asking these companies to do is just to double, triple check. Maybe they were only double checking last time. Do it one more time, make us feel better, and we all move on. Exactly. And that's what we're hearing from both sides of the aisle, that this is common sense. And this is something that won't take a lot of money, something that won't take a lot of manpower, and something that will improve the safety of not only the uh, the trail car workers, but also the citizens who have to live here. We saw time and time again throughout the past month of those town halls where the citizens in these towns and cities really complaining that they don't know what's going on. There's not enough transparency. Uh, They don't know why uh, things are happening around them environmentally. And these residents aren't getting the answers. Uh, That's why you're seeing just an overall push for a bill like this to pass Congress. Nevertheless, we're going to have to wait and see whether those Republican holdouts uh, decide to stop a bill uh, of this nature again. All right. Thanks so much, Ike. I appreciate it. Have a great Monday. You too. Take care. Thanks. See you later. ABC's Ike Jachi. So I think that on the money side, the fact that this would just be tweaks, it's not like these um, companies are going to have to Uh, You know, they have some restriction that's going to be extremely costly and it's not some sort of, you know, emission standard or something like that where they're going to have to change every vehicle. This is a fairly low cost way to not only appease some fears, which I think if you ask the people in Ohio, especially after the second derailment, if that's what they want, probably this is a pretty easy fix. But I get, you know, I mean, the Republicans don't want any more. Um restrictions, you know, no more governmental 
uh, hold on anything. And I get it. So I see how they could also see this as a slippery slope. I don't know. Can we meet somewhere in the middle? I think that's yet to be seen. All right, let's get back to some of these stories coming out of the KFI 24-hour newsroom. The station manager accused of causing that deadly train collision in Greece has been charged with uh, negligent homicide. ABC's Lama Hassan says a lot of people in Greece blame the government for a lack of real funding and out-of-date equipment. The Greek prime minister releasing a statement on Facebook asking for forgiveness, saying, we cannot, we do not want to, and we must not hide behind the human error. Now, the station master allegedly directed a passenger train and a freight train traveling in opposite directions onto that same track last week. That's where 57 people were killed. Police in Long Beach have shot a man caught stabbing another man. Both men were taken to the hospital last night in critical condition. A teen boy has been hit by an SUV and killed while he was riding his scooter in Palmdale. The CHP says the boy was riding against traffic last night right in the middle of Palmdale Boulevard when he was hit. Firefighters in Orange County had to rescue a woman who lost control of her SUV, went off the road, and then down a hill in Rancho Mission Viejo. Witnesses say the Black Ford Edge rolled 100 to 150 yards down the hillside yesterday. Firefighters used a rope system to get that woman back to the road. A large amount of water from broken pipe has flowed into an area between homes and South Coast Highway in Laguna Beach, causing a sinkhole and a gas leak. That gas line was severed yesterday by a car that fell into the hole. People who live in that area had to leave their homes while that gas leak was stopped. Keeping an eye on those people in mountain communities in San Bernardino County who've complained they are still stuck and waiting for help. Now, food and supplies have been dropped off in certain areas, but then there are those people who say, that's great, but I can't get to it because of unplowed roads. County officials say about 80% of the roadways maintained by San Bernardino County have been made passable. And Tesla has cut its prices on its two most expensive electric vehicles in U.S., So the price cuts range from 4% for the Tesla Model S to 9% on the more expensive Model X. Elon Musk has said in recent months Tesla would focus on bringing uh, prices down to drive demand. And 505, uh, 535 that is, speaking of driving, would you ride in a self-driving car? And it's funny because a lot of people are like, yeah, that sounds great. The technology is there to keep us from getting in an accident and things like that. Other people say, are you crazy? Nobody at the wheel? So we'll talk more about that with Jim in just a few minutes. But let's say good morning now to ABC's Inez de la Cutera. Inez, as you watch uh, Israel right now, you see tens of thousands of people. You know, it's the news uh, broadcast that we're seeing all demonstrating against the prime minister's plan to overhaul the country's legal system. And it looked like over the weekend that these protests just intensified. Hey, that's right. Yeah, I was actually at the protests over the weekend. I just got back uh, from Israel last night. But yeah, um, we're seeing hundreds of thousands taking to the streets in uh, Tel Aviv on Saturday in Jerusalem as well. There were protests earlier in the week. And these are people who are are worried about the future of their country, the future of democracy in Israel. So Israel right now has the most conservative government it's ever seen. It's the first time that the ruling coalition is so far to the right. So there are a number of ultra-Orthodox, ultra-religious, ultra-nationalist members of parliament 
government that are in power, and they're uh, trying to push through laws that are really alarming to many Israelis. Um, right now, the protests you're seeing uh, have to do with uh, concerns over their proposed uh, overhaul of the judiciary, and specifically a law that would give the Knesset, which is the Israeli parliament, the power to overturn Supreme Court decisions. And so that would effectively undermine the the Supreme Court's ability to strike down laws that it uh, considers unconstitutional. And so there's a real fear that, that, you know, these types of laws could um, essentially would do away with the checks and balances in Israel and that they could give the ruling party too much power and, and really the power to do whatever it wants. Is the prime minister Netanyahu, is he trying to assure the people of Israel that there will be then some other, I guess, uh, sort of checks and balances? Is he saying, yeah, we may be getting rid of this one, but instead we're going to have another one? At least is it being replaced with something else or is it just a complete overhaul? Sorry, now the power is ours. It's pretty much a complete overhaul. I mean, they would certainly push back on, on this idea that democracy is at stake. They they would argue that, you know, this is just a, a better way of, of uh, legislating. But, um, yeah, some, some real concerns in, in the streets. Um, and, and what's interesting is we're seeing more and more, we're seeing these protests uh, growing increasingly tense. Uh, so we saw a number of clashes uh, over the weekend, uh, last week, especially on on Wednesday, there were clashes between Israeli protesters and Israeli police officers. We saw stun grenades being used in the heart of Tel Aviv. That's uh, unusual. They're using uh, tear gas as well to uh, kind of crack down on, on these protests. And the protests show no signs of, of letting up. But we know they're planning another big protest on Thursday. And, and they've really been, um, you know, pretty much every week since this, this government has has been trying to push through this judicial reform. So we'll see if the protests have any impact. Uh, the, the protesters I was speaking with uh, in Tel Aviv on Saturday are, are certainly hopeful when they look at the amount of people that are taking to the streets. They're, they're hopeful that, uh, you know, that that'll put pressure on the government to maybe, you know, if not uh, completely backtrack on these uh, this proposal to overhaul the judiciary, that maybe they might uh, re- revise the, the, the bills and maybe soften um, those bills a little bit. Um, the bills still have to go through a couple more readings. So, so we'll see if any changes are made. But um, protesters hopeful that by, you know, continuing to speak out, something will get done. You know, an additional pressure may come in the form of, uh, I guess, people pulling their money out of Israel. I know that over the weekend you had former New York City Mayor Michael Bloomberg, who had an op-ed in The New York Times that said uh, Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu's government is courting disaster saying that alliances around the world in security in the region, its economy at home and the very democracy upon which the country was built. So saying that you might have these different organizations pulling out of Israel because they just don't like what is happening there as far as the overhaul of the judicial system. That might be it may not even be the protesters that put the pressure on the government. But when you start losing money and you can't come up with a way to refund that money that you lost, sometimes that's the best way to make change. Oh, totally. And that's definitely something that's top of mind right now for Israeli officials. This money that's that's being pulled out of the country's businesses, watching everything that's happening very closely, because if this far right government begins to enact, you know, all sorts of uh, ultra religious, ultra nationalist policies, that would likely I mean, there, there's a concern that that would could harm businesses. And so, yeah, many business leaders watching that closely. The U.S. also putting lots of pressure on Netanyahu to kind of rein in these ultra nationalist uh, ministers. Um, there's a whole situation, uh, you know, playing out last week where uh, one of the um, 
most extremist ministers, uh, the finance minister, Smotrich, uh, talked about wiping out a Palestinian town and uh, in the West Bank. And, and, and Netanyahu took days before he actually condemned those comments. And finally, after, you know, U.S. officials, uh, the U.S. spoke out uh, against those comments, obviously, and condemning those comments. And then days later, Netanyahu did kind of cave to that pressure and eventually did publicly disavow those comments. But um, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, it definitely uh, pressure from, from business leaders uh, and from the U.S. as well. I think I'm um, keeping an eye on what the U.S. says and does will also give us clues as to how Israel may respond. Absolutely. Inez, thank you as always for your time. Take care. Thank you. All right. See you later. Let's say good morning now to ABC's Jim Ryan. I'm iffy. Do I like the <laughs> idea of a self-driving car? Yes. Sure. Do I like the idea of my butt in the backseat of a self-driving car? Meh. No. Oh, well, then you're among the, well, I don't know, you're kind of on the border. 68% <laughs> of Americans say they're literally afraid of self-driving cars and technology. 23% say, you know, I'm not too sure. And only 9% say that they trust autonomous vehicles. Those numbers are, are kind of a flip from where we were in 2020. AAA does this or has for the last several years done a survey uh, called Driver Attitudes Toward Self-Driving Vehicles. And in 2020, 12% of us trusted the vehicles. The year after that, it was 14%. The year after that, 15%. Tesla and other uh, automakers who are working on self-driving technology were celebrating because the numbers at least were going up. And then this year, they, well, pardon the expression, crashed down to 9%. <laughs> and a lot of it has to do with accidents, high-profile crashes involving these vehicles and people say you know what maybe i don't trust the self-driving technology see and i I feel like for me it's just my uh you know i don't know add i'm a control freak Mm. i i like to drive like i i you know it's that's my thing i kind of like to be in control and when i feel like i'm not in control especially if i didn't feel like i was even in the front seat and couldn't grab the wheel Something like that would make me really nervous. Although, if you look at the number of, I guess, or I guess the stats, autonomous vehicles do very, very well. It seems that for the most part, you're, uh, yes, do they make headlines when you hear that a, a Tesla self-driving mode or something like that was in effect when a crash happened? Yes, of course, that makes a headline. But probably what does not make the headlines is how many of them were in self-driving mode and never crashed. Right. Well, you're right. And it's because they're rare. That's why they make big news. Right. right. You hear, you know, there, there are going to be fatal crashes on the roads all every day, you know, unfortunately. Uh, but you hear about a plane crash with one person who dies and suddenly that makes news. Uh, but so it's the same sort of uh, lack of familiarity that people have. And they, they hear they hear autonomous vehicle, they hear crash, they put those things together, and suddenly any trust they might have had goes out the window. But you're right, these are rare incidents. And when you think of, you know, some of these dinglings that I end up passing here in <laughs> Southern California, putting their makeup on, my favorite is always the girl putting on her mascara. You know, uh-huh. it's like, oh, like literally leaned up in the car looking into the rearview mirror. It scares the heck out of me. Or the person who is obviously talking and not paying attention because both arms are in the air and they are having a very animated conversation. Would I like those people to be in autonomous cars? Yes, I would. 
Right. Well, and, and if your car, if your car were autonomous, Jen, it would avoid those people, right? <laughs> you know, the radar has a pretty good range to it. LIDAR can literally see trouble coming a mile away. It can see that car that's yeah. up ahead or behind or side to side and realize that it's going to be a problem if it gets too close and can avoid the collision. Uh, you know, you're seeing this this technology in a lot of cars now, advanced driver assistance systems that uh, will tell you if somebody's in your blind spot. They will tell you if you're wavering out of your lane. It'll tell you, hey, stupid, wake up. You're, you're falling asleep, <laughs> you know. Uh, and so, yeah, these things are, are gradually coming online. And whether we like it or not, autonomous cars will be here before too long. We'll all Absolutely. be asking ourselves our question, do I trust it? Well, and I think once it becomes more the norm, it will become a whole lot less scary. So I think that's just also kind of the change that we need to see. Jim, thank you so much. I appreciate it. See you, Jim. See you later. That is ABC's Jim Ryan. Oh, sad news out over the weekend. The last surviving founding member of Southern rock band Leonard Skinner has died. Guitarist Gary Rossington's death was announced yesterday on the band's Facebook page. He was remembered as a brother, friend, family member, and songwriter. He had a number of heart problems, but no cause of death was given. He was 71. By the way, he survived a plane crash in 1997. Remember, this is the one that killed the band members, Ronnie Van Zant and Steve Gaines. So, uh, just a sad story. I love Leonard Skinner. Mm. All right. I have Alec Murdaugh news for you this morning. Disgraced lawyer Alec Murdaugh spent his first weekend in prison since being given two consecutive life sentences for the murders of his wife and son. He was convicted last week in connection with the 2021 killings. Now, he says he's innocent. And his lawyers say they are planning to file an appeal this week. However, should they do that, they might not want to put him on the stand again because this morning... There are some jurors who are speaking out. They talked to the Today Show, and they said that basically they thought this guy was an actor on the stands. I'm paraphrasing here. But one of the jurors said, I didn't think he was crying. He turned it off and on. It wasn't genuine. He's able to be emotional with cases. He's able to be emotional with himself. He knows, like, when to turn it off and on. And we were able to read right through that. Another juror said he didn't help himself by testifying. And I think that that's the thing. I think that you and I watched that. You know, I've covered a bazillion court cases where you get the, uh, you know, the suspect on the stand. And the thing that I can tell you from watching them is even the ones that you know are guilty of sin, at least when they get on the stand, They are scared as hell. They're shaking like a leaf up there. And you see this real genuine uh, emotion coming out of them. It may not be an innocence emotion that you're seeing coming out of them, but you're seeing actual emotion. I felt like, and I don't know if you did as well, but apparently the jurors saw what I saw, that when he was sitting up there, it was literally like, He could be, let tear roll off face on left side now. Click. Call him Pawpaw, because if I do that instead of Paul, it looks more folksy and emotional, and maybe I'll get some of that, uh, you know, I don't know, whatever, juror sympathy on that. 
uh, here, let me wipe my nose here because it'll really look like I have a real response to whatever that question might be. It was creepy. It was just downright creepy. So anyway, like I said, it'll be very interesting if let's just say Alec Murdoch does get an appeal. He does get a new trial. Will his lawyers this time around choose to put him on the stand knowing now how the country and more most importantly, the jurors saw their client? I'm, I, I don't know. Hey, did you hear about Florida Governor DeSantis? He attended some events in Southern California. The governor's very concerned about what we're doing in Florida, so I figured I had to come by. DeSantis visited the Reagan Library in Simi Valley yesterday to promote his book. He was also at the Westin Anaheim Resort across from Disneyland to raise money for the OC Republican Library. He is expected to announce a run for president in the next few months. All right, just over a month ago, we reported on the story of the shoot-up in the um, in the dance hall, the Asian dance hall. And it was shortly after that that I read an article that was from Ron Skolsding. He's one of the instructors for Seniors Fight Back. Ron, good morning. Thanks, first of all, for joining us. And I just thought it was so interesting and so it was such a necessary story that you're focusing now on the AAPI community. And I just thought this is this is such a great way to make seniors start to feel empowered again. Yep, definitely. It's uh, it's been amazing to be able to take part in uh, in a movement where we can give power and strength back to our AAPI community. And I think sometimes, just overall, as we age, period, you start to feel a little weaker. You start to, um, I don't know, maybe you're a little bit more frail. Maybe you feel like, oh, I'm I'm a little more of a target, even if it's just walking down the street with your purse or something like that. Knowing that there is a self-defense class out there that could just make you feel a little more secure in yourself, whether you're with the AAPI community or whatever. I mean, shoot, at my age, I would love to feel a little more secure. Definitely. Like, I mean, as soon as we stop growing, we start dying, right? And we start, yeah. we start getting weaker. And so having having a tool like self-defense uh, can definitely boost your confidence um, and also your, your sense of self-security. I know hate crimes in the Asian American community have gone up significantly. In fact, according to the FBI stats, I think 140 percent since 2018 or 2017. And though I know that some will say, well, that's just because they're being reported more. It doesn't matter. The bottom line is that those attacks are happening. And by having an AAPI based class, you may get uh, one senior to be talking to a senior, you know, that's in their community and say, hey, I'm going to go to this class. Why don't you come with me? Sometimes it's easier to go when you feel like you're going to be surrounded by people who are more like you. Definitely. It's uh, whether we are helping one person or 200 people, it doesn't matter. Uh, as long as uh, we are helping and there's a need for us, um, we're going to be around for as long as we need to be. Okay, tell me what goes on in these self-defense classes. Um, so we break it down into basic two basic parts, a physical and a non-physical. And the non-physical ends up being the most effective. We cover situational awareness, body language, and voice. But it does get to a part where someone does want to hurt you no matter what. And in that event, we teach them what's referred to as a clinch, where we clasp their head, and then followed by an elbow or a knee. Um, and that's if they're physically having a fight for their life. And when it comes to that situational awareness, I think that's one of the things that I fail at. You know, you get comfortable in your community. You get focused. I need to run in the store and grab whatever, milk, 
and I need to run back out. All I'm thinking about is running in and running out. I'm not thinking about, hey, let's look at what the situation might be like in the parking lot. Are those the kinds of things that you're focusing on? Definitely. And that's one of the most effective things you can do. We're so, you know, we're so tunnel vision in what we do these days, even especially with cell phones now, we're, we're glued to our phones. So we have no idea that there's someone breathing down the back of our neck as we're just doing seemingly nothing. And, you know, I'm so glad you brought up the cell phone thing because God bless America. I'm so proud of seniors who have embraced this technology and they are going after it. You know that you see them chatting on their phones and whatever. Although one thing that I notice about sometimes seniors is they're more overt with their gestures with the phone, you know, so maybe they're talking into it a little more loudly because maybe their hearing's not as good or they're sort of talking into it and then pulling it away or or things like that. It's almost more of a spotlight on them that they are holding this expensive technology. Definitely. And then with the issue of not focus, it makes them completely unaware of anything else, right? And so the, the biggest detriment you can do for a potential danger you're coming your way is to be aware of what's going on around you. So whether someone is 10 inches away from you or 10 yards away from you, um, that's something that you should be aware of at all times. Do you ever have somebody who comes into your class um, feeling like they got it? Like they're just there because their buddy asked them to come and they're like, meh, I'm, I can protect myself. Yet while they're in your class, they see all these different things that they probably weren't thinking about. Oh, definitely. Almost every single time um, we get a whole we get a whole range of the types of people that come to our class. But uh, it's it's cool to be able to just let people uh, be aware of things that they weren't aware of before. And with the more timid, I guess, people who might come into your class, they may even be slightly afraid of coming to your class. That might be a big hurdle for them to get over just the attendance portion of it. Definitely. It's uh, it's really amazing to see even the the demeanor of people when they come into the class versus when they're done with the class. They're coming in, you know, the back slouched, their head down. They, they you, can, you can visibly tell that they have fear in them. Um, maybe an incident has happened recently, and then in an hour's time, you completely see their demeanor transform. It's really awesome to see. And unfortunately, it's those heads down, you know, uh, that also the criminals see like that's the perfect person to go after because they're already a little bit weary of their surroundings. And so that's the easy person to hit for all of you who teach there. Tell me about your backgrounds. Uh, For my background, personally, uh, I'm a uh, pro MMA Muay Thai fighter, current WCK Muay Thai champion and WBC uh, champion, too, as well. I've been teaching self-defense for about 20 years now, and uh, we've developed a program that in the event that you may never take another self-defense class, you can take something with you for the rest of your life. Can I just take you places with me for the rest of my life? Oh, my gosh. You sound like you could, you know, if I'm in a dark alley, one of those things, you're the guy I want with me. I'm uh, super cheap. I work for chicken nuggets. (laughs) Okay, good. All right. So, Ron, tell me when the next class is. Our next class is going to be uh, March 17th, and the destination is going to be uh, determined. Uh, It's going to be in the city of Fullerton, California. Okay, it'll be in Fullerton, March 17th. And where can people go to get a hold of you? They can go to seniorsfightback.com, and they can get all the information updates. Um, And as soon as we uh, finalize our location, uh, we'll definitely be updated on our website and our social media. And how much? Seniors Fight Back. Okay, Seniors Fight Back is also the social media. How much is the class? The class is completely 
free for our community. So we don't charge anything. We're completely nonprofit. Um, we've just been very uh, grateful that we have great supporters and donators that kind of, you know, support us so that we can provide this service free for, for all communities that need it. I love it. You are amazing, Ron. Thank you so much for your time this morning, and thank you for what you're doing for the community. No, we appreciate it. We're always happy to help wherever we can. Thank you for having us on. Absolutely. Take care. That is Ron Skolsdang. He is one of the instructors for Seniors Fight Back. So if you want more information, seniorsfightback.com and also Seniors Fight Back on social media. And again, we were just focusing on the AAPI class that they're having on March 17th. However, they offer classes all throughout the year. So be sure that if you are, you know, maybe you're not part of that community specifically, still go to seniorsfightback.com. Maybe you're even interested in getting your parent involved or something like that. I mean, this it's not a horrible thing, right? I know I'm not if I'm on my cell phone, I'm a dingling. I'm not paying attention. I'm looking around. Say that I'm caught up in a really good conversation and I'm giggling and I'm, you know, texting while I'm walking. I am a huge target and I'm not a senior. I would love to know some of these situational awareness things. And then in addition to that, then I want to know if somebody does attack me because I'm not paying attention. How do I fight back? I think this would be good for all of us. Hey, the FBI has announced a $50,000 reward for the return of four Americans kidnapped in Mexico. Officials say the four were shot at and taken at gunpoint last week when they drove from southern Texas into uh, Mexico, a uh, p- uh, place that's east of Monterey. Did you hear about this southwest flight from Cuba to Fort Lauderdale? It had to turn around and make an emergency landing because an engine caught fire. The plane had hit some birds yesterday video from the inside of the plane shows smoke in the cabin and people using oxygen masks i don't know if you heard about this uh, incident on friday that was in leesburg virginia the ntsb is investigating after severe turbulence during this flight from new hampshire to virginia killed a person it was a private private business jet that had five people on board it was supposed to land in leesburg but instead got diverted to Connecticut. Investigators really aren't giving many details, like if the victim was wearing a seatbelt or maybe if the plane had any damage or something like that. But the agency did confirm yesterday that the cockpit voice and data recorders have been removed. So maybe we'll learn a little bit more about that. Walmart says it plans to close its last two stores in Portland, Oregon, because of rampant shoplifting. The CEO said in December prices would have to go up in stores or they would have to close if authorities in Oregon failed to address the theft. The store closure set for the end of this month will leave nearly 600 people out of work. Nike and Cracker Barrel locations in Oregon closed last year for similar reasons. And finally, let's end this morning with a story that may really scar Handel. I mean, this one may hurt him to the core. Costco has been looking into raising the price of its Gold Star membership, but an actual target date has yet to be decided. During a call with Costco investors, CFO Richard Galanti discussed a price hike. Back in 2017, the retailer raised its membership fee from 55 bucks to 60 for the basic one-year membership. Over 68 million households have paid memberships, which means Costco banked about $4.2 billion in 2022. 
Historically, an increase in pricing has happened around every five years. More than one million new members signed up for membership in the previous quarter. Membership renewal company-wide is over 90% in North America. Andrew Caravella, KFI News. This is KFI and KOST HD2, Los Angeles, Orange County. SoCal weather from KFI. We do have a cold weather alert today. Looks like temperatures are just going to be in the 40s and 50s today. Just partly cloudy, partly cloudy for the rest of the week with more sunshine coming in on Thursday. We lead local live from the KFI 24-hour newsroom. I'm Jennifer Jones-Lee. This has been your wake-up call. You've been listening to your wake up call with me, Jennifer Jones Lee, and you can always hear wake up call 5 to 6 a.m., Monday through Friday at KFI AM 640, and anytime on demand on the iHeartRadio app.